Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that actually prefers dad bod Godzilla. It's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most Fridays or available to download later in your podcast feed, unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Roar. I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he thinks he's so great because he has boats. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Ahoy! And each week, we'll chat about movies, TV, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. Hey, Andrew, long time no see. Hey, how... how uh, very important question. How are you doing? <laughs> are you okay, I'm, Aaron? No, I'm doing fine. I I was I was glad to be able to do the uh, catch up episode a couple weeks ago and just kind of talk about a lot of the stuff mm. that's been going on with the award season and in my life. Um, but yeah, I've been off at different you know awards events and watching movies i was calculating last night that i have watched a hundred movies in the last uh 60 days so um so yeah it's it's always that way this this time of year and uh i wouldn't trade it for anything it's great i love it i you know it is a first world problem, but at the same time, there is a limit to what you are physically able to do with the amount of hours <laughs> in a day. So there is a difficulty to it. It's, it's an impossible task to see everything. I, I don't think I'm pushing that limit. I don't. I, I'm getting plenty of sleep. I'm, you know, um, I, I remember the names of my children and, and wife. Like, I, you know, I'm I'm doing okay. So... Uh, but, uh, but yes, it has been a, a rush and we are glad to be together and with you today to, uh, chat a couple movies. Um, we are going to forego the uh, best ever challenge this week, but we will do some buried treasure, uh, towards the end of the episode. I do want to check in with you before we even get into the reviews and just say, how are you feeling about this award season? Like, what have you managed to see that we haven't talked about um, and we may talk about some of it, you know, down the road, but like, how are you feeling about, like, I know the AFI released their, you know, top 10 for the year um, today. Oh, and I don't yeah. know if you've I had a chance to look at that. that up and see what they chose. Is it, is it pretty, is it a pretentious list or is it a pretty stellar list? Well, they they usually match up with the Oscar nominees pretty well. They'll usually hit like 80% of the Oscar nominees. Uh, in their list so um so i'm curious top, like how many yeah. of those you've seen so far and you know in how is your movie watching journey going like this award season so let's take a look here at afi's top 10 so starting off with a loading screen uh-huh uh-huh great <laughs> okay, movie yes great movie it's a great movie all right here we go uh uh american fiction mm-hmm. which i am very excited to see um, yes very good 
It's a very good movie, according to you, which I did yes. see that as well. Uh, yeah. Barbie, which is in my top 10. Nice. The Holdovers, which we were going to review, we may still Correct. review. Correct. Um, very, very, very want to see that a lot. Just I love Paul Giamatti, and it looks like mm-hmm. a very unique movie. Killers of the Flower Moon. We reviewed that one. I love mm-hmm. it. Um, Maestro. Probably my most anticipated movies of the award season that I have not seen yet. Okay. Is Maestro. All right. Yeah. Just to see what Bradley Cooper can do with that and, you know, Bernstein. It's just, it has a lot going for it in in my mind. Yeah. I think that's on Netflix on the 20th, I think, is when that drops on Netflix. Okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, man, that, that movie is, that it's movie something. will be competing for my favorite of the year. Uh, it's, it's really good. So, yeah. Uh, a movie I'm not even familiar with may December. That's on Netflix. Now, uh, you can okay. watch that on Netflix. Now that's, uh, I, I didn't vibe with that. Like a lot of people are, but, okay. um, but the performances are good and interesting. I think you might enjoy it. You should check it out for sure. Okay. Then Oppenheimer, which is Mm -hmm. in my top four of the year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Past Lives, which Mm -hmm. I am interested in. Poor Things. Did we not review Past Lives? Was that just a buried treasure? I thought I remember talking about that one. Let's take a hot look here because it sounds familiar, but it may just be... It sounds familiar because... I loved Past Lives. I'm really glad it's getting attention because it's been out for so long. Oh, we have not reviewed this one. This is a okay. Celine song film. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. And then Poor Things, which besides Maestro is probably my most anticipated movie uh, for award season. And then uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, your favorite movie of the year. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great half movie. I just, yes. you know, I just don't know how I'm supposed to nominate it for anything when they haven't completed the movie yet. You know what? But I can't say anything because that was my exact pet peeve with Dune. Mm-hmm. So I can't I can't fault you for it, but for some yeah. reason I didn't mind it as much in Across the Spider Verse. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a good um, little list that they got there. It's not as you know. Uh, I remember a couple years ago we were looking at I think it was uh, IFC's top ten of the year, and it was a very mm-hmm. very pretentious list of films nobody had ever heard of, and they just. <laughs> Sometimes it can happen that way. Sometimes it feels that way for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I was trying to think of what's not uh, on this list that surprises me um, and was going to ask you about. Uh, oh, there's is, a couple on there that I would have. Um, is, is Poor Things on that list? Poor Things is in the top 10, yes. Okay, all right, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, but there are a couple, you know, there's so many. My brain is so full of movies, uh, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. So do you feel like you'll, because we'll probably, we'll, we usually do the sifties around the end of January. Do you feel like there's mm-hmm. enough time for you to see everything you want to see by then and check out kind of the the big hitters and all that kind of stuff? By the end of the year, yeah. Uh, the yeah. big ones, the ones that I want to see, the ones that are probably going to be end up on the uh, mm-hmm. on the Oscars. I'll probably all see those before the end of the year before yeah. we do the sifties. Cool. Well, uh, glad to check in. Glad you're, you're, uh, you've got, you know, there's, there's enough of them in contention that were like earlier this year, like Oppenheimer or past yeah. lives, or there are several, well, even, um, killers of the flower moon feels like it's been out for months. 
even though it's fairly recent. Um, well, it's because it takes so. a couple months to watch that movie. It's that long. <laughs> and on that note, let's get into <laughs> our reviews for this week. Uh, let's kick it off by talking about Godzilla Minus One. In post-war Japan, a new terror rises. Will the devastated people be able to survive, let alone fight back? Uh, we have an expert on the Godzilla movies on this show every single we week. We do. Uh, Andrew, <laughs> these are some of your favorite movies. I yeah. am a lot less familiar with the Japanese Godzilla movies. Um, mm. In fact, I don't, I don't think I've watched a single one until this one. But this feels to me like a rebooting of the Japanese Godzilla franchise. Is that fair to say? Like... It kind of feels like it's starting over. It doesn't feel like it's based on anything that's come before it canon-wise. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, I think this is going to be a standalone film, kind of like a couple years ago we got uh, Toho is the uh, production company that makes all of Japanese or Japan's uh, Godzilla films. And they released one called Shin Godzilla, which came out, I Mm -hmm. think, 2016, 17, somewhere around there. Uh, And... Then now there's this one. Neither of them are part of a franchise like Legendary Pictures, Godzilla's, or anything like that. Right. Okay. So uh, this has been a bit of a fun surprise at the box office. People are really enjoying it. It continues to go wider. I think it's picking up another thousand screens this next weekend and is going to compete at the box office. Uh, so fun little story, um, and I'm interested to hear some of your thoughts beyond even just the movie itself on like you know Godzilla in pop culture right now because we've got the TV show, the ongoing uh, movies, and now this. Uh, but uh, but what did you think? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? I loved it, loved it. Of course you did, uh, and so did I. This movie's amazing. <laughs> um, I, I I will let Surprisingly you Surprisingly good. <laughs> it's so good. Uh and and I think the surprise is part of the fun too. Like mm. I we have been trained for the last couple decades to go to monster movies and to just like expect the destruction and the viscera and the the spectacle of it all. Carnage. And, And yes, that's what it's been like, you know, since the early 2000s. But we forget, and I'm not saying there aren't exceptions to that rule. There certainly are. But we forget that the rule used to be it was about the humans and the monsters were just a way to experience humanity and to tell us something about humanity and to tell us a metaphor about humanity. Uh, Jurassic Park is about the humans. As much as you love the dinosaurs in that movie, it's about the humans. Jaws is about the humans in that story. So to kind of have a a real uh, hardcore return to a human story in a monster movie like this was really refreshing. so, yeah, what are some of your overall thoughts on Godzilla Minus One? It's the people, man. The people are so good in this movie. I'm going to have to look up a cast list here. and Sure, I've got, it, I've got it in front of me. Okay, yeah. Um, but our main uh, protagonist, who is uh, Koichi, is the name of the character. Mm-hmm. Um, what a fascinating and well-developed character. So many layers to his performance and to that character as well, just going through PTSD after 
World War II. And by the way, this entire movie is in an alternate reality that takes place right after World War II. It takes place in mm-hmm. 1945, through I think 47 or 48. I can't remember where the movie ends. Which, when but, you deal with Godzilla as a representation of the nuclear uh, bombs that we dropped on Japan, which I think exactly. is kind of the idea of where it came from, mm-hmm. um, that makes complete sense. Uh, that, you know, Godzilla is arriving as those bombs would have arrived uh, in Japan after uh, at the end of the war, to end the war. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you have this uh, kamikaze pilot who is just, I will say for... Two and a half hours, he is just going through it. He is not having yeah. a good time. Um, but the the people that he meets along the way, the stories and the friendships and the family dynamics that are created, these not-so-typical uh, uh, family dynamics that are going on in this film make it really fascinating and you care for these people. So like whenever Godzilla shows up, you're like, no, I actually want these people to be okay. Save them, please. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It should be simple as filmmaking, but, uh, Japan hit on something that was lost. Glad they're bringing it back. And it's, it's not just him. It's not just, uh, the, the woman and the baby and this, you know, kind of forced found family idea. There's also secondary characters that feel, uh, well experienced and well rounded and that you care for and that you understand. Um, I was just, I was really impressed with the character work, uh, all the way around this, even, even down to, uh, he's not an antagonist, but kind of the uh, the yin to Koichi's yang uh, at the beginning. They meet, and their relationship kind of forms a bond that defines uh, the movie. Even though the other one of them isn't really in the movie again until you know later on. So, oh, were you talking about the mechanic Tachibana? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great uh, dynamic too. What's that? That's a great dynamic too. It is, it is. And then you add to that that the movie is saying something about its own culture, too. That it's a Japanese movie making a commentary on the idea of honor is to give up your life or is honor to fight for life. And it really brings home that idea so well um, and, you know, warmed my pacifist heart, uh, you know, is in, in many ways. Uh, and I just, I, I really, really appreciated this movie's ability to kind of do it all. It feels like this movie is doing it all and doing it all well. And that's just, there's something to be said for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to talk about the big man himself? Yeah, go for it. Uh, I like the design a lot for this Godzilla. He's very terrifying. I'd say he's probably the second most terrifying uh, like design I've seen for a Godzilla. But he is classic Godzilla with like yes. his lower body and like it feels very upright, classic non-dinosaur Godzilla. You know? Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean by that? I mean, the, totally. The modern- it's an homage to the guy in the suit. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I kind of like. There's so much of this uh, movie that for Godzilla fans, there's like Easter eggs all over. The Pretty much the entire soundtrack for this movie is taken from the original 1954 Godzilla film. Oh, his interesting. Roar, his roar is the exact roar they used from the 1954 uh, film. So there's a lot of homages to that original film that came out. 
um, that I really liked. I think the music in this, it's, it's used perfectly. Like, like, how can I explain this? In the old Toho Godzilla films, there were, I don't want to say cookie cutter that they're all the same, but there are definitely, you know, things that you can, a staple that you can see in every single Godzilla film. Like whenever you first see him, you hear the dun 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 dun. That theme mm-hmm. song, it's the exact same here. Like the first time we see him, like making a landfall, that that music plays, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, it's like they know how to, you know, let all these Godzilla super fans out there know this movie's for you, but it's also for, uh, it can be accessible for everybody too. Yeah, for a new generation. Yeah. As well. Uh, how do you feel uh, about all the Godzilla content that's out right now? Um, you know, since we're talking <laughs> about Easter eggs and old movies and, and that kind of thing, like, are you enjoying it all? Is some of it better than others for you? Are you watching Monarch? Like, what are your thoughts? Oh, some of it is definitely better than others. But at the same time, it, I haven't hit Kaiju fatigue yet, if that makes <laughs> sense. I know that people okay. talk about, you know, MCU fatigue and stuff like that. Uh-huh. There's a lot of Godzilla content out there right now. You got the legendary movies. You got Monarch the show. You got the Toho movies now. Godzilla's everywhere, man. It's the longest running film franchise in history, longer than James Bond. It. Um, mm, when was the first Godzilla? 54. Okay. So, and the I first mean, James Bond was in 67. Uh, mm hmm. Yeah. So uh, I guess it would depend on how you would claim franchise. Would King Kong be a franchise? That would definitely predate uh, Godzilla. That's true. I think that um, franchise means that there has to be a a running like narrative mm-hmm. throughout all of them. And technically, there is a running narrative throughout all the Godzilla movies. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't make the rules. It's just what I read, and I thought it was a cool fact. I can hey. see how that can be argued for sure. Um, I, I, I am this. I know we're not doing a a film uh, or a YouTube. Right, it's not a video podcast, right? But it says it in here, so I listen to Life Magazine. Don't <laughs> don't come at me. Come at Life. That's right. It's Life's fault. Uh, yes, as as are a lot of things. Um, I, I have been watching Monarch and really enjoying it. Uh, I've been watching the, uh, are they called the legendary? Is that what you call them? Like the Godzilla versus Kong and the, Oh, uh, the monster verse, the monster verse. I've been watching those. What's, what's the legendary then? What did you mean by that? Oh, I guess legendary monster verse. It's just uh, a semantic sort of a thing. Got it. Got it. Um, I, I enjoy those, uh, for what they are. Um, I don't necessarily love them, but mm-hmm. this has this movie I loved. I I really really think this is a a great movie. So it is, um, I think I easily easily my favorite Godzilla movie. Like easily easily. Um, so I, I don't it, know how yeah. how that is for for you, somebody who is more versed in the universe. But for me, it was it's an number easy two. Call. It's number two besides the original one. This is my second favorite Godzilla movie. Yeah. And again, it feels like it feels like another original. It feels like it's mm. starting something here and, and doing something interesting. So um so yeah. I, I think the other thing we should talk about with the big guy with Godzilla 
is the effects, uh, the destruction scenes, because it may sound like we're talking about, oh, look at this beautiful art film that talks about humanity and those kind of things. No, there are several set pieces where you will get your big monster crushes city uh, fixes. Um, And I think they're done really, really well. What did you think about the devastation scenes? This is my favorite design slash effect work for Godzilla's atomic breath. I think Mm. that out of every single iteration of Godzilla, this is the coolest. And I didn't think anything would top Shin Godzilla's atomic breath just because that was just a truly eerie and like bone chilling version of an atomic breath. It was a Shin Godzilla was more of a horror film than any of the Godzillas that came before it besides maybe the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, this one here is a horror film in a different way. It's a horror film because you're really, you really do feel fear for these people. It's not a scary film, but um, the effects are superb. Like, yeah, Sorry, Oppenheimer, you got you just got trumped for the coolest explosion. <laughs> it was yeah. such a good effect. It was really good. I was also really impressed with the periphery of the attacks and um, and how well it worked. I think of the reporters on a building at one point. Um, mm. There are just these moments where you know trolleys will go flying or cars will go flying and it just it felt authentic to you know the way real physics work um so like i was just it it allowed me to be immersed into you know being in a situation like this um and i i want to shout out that they didn't make it dark and rainy during these scenes like it was you know you got to see what was happening and i just i find that so much better than you know hiding things uh in the dark Uh, i'd rather see i would rather see almost unfinished effects than hidden effects if you know what Mm, i mean like it's just i i i want to see what's going on um so and i know the dark can be scary but oftentimes they're using it as a crutch not necessarily as tone oh a hundred percent yeah yeah yeah, I think that Godzilla is my my one last thing. If we're there, sure, yeah, will be. Uh, I think Godzilla, besides no post credit scene, uh, is I think he is best served when he is the villain, not whenever he is uh, the savior of humanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't get me wrong, I love all of those movies, but I think if you're looking for what best served is Godzilla, then it's definitely as the villain, as a metaphor for humanity's destruction and. Uh, atomic capabilities. Yeah, I think the movie did a really good job at portraying this as a uh, a destructive monster, not a misunderstood um, you know creature or mm. that kind of thing. And it can be both. I'm not saying it can't be both. I'm just saying yeah. this this movie did not uh, wasn't trying to turn it into anything other than we have to stop this giant lizard from destroying our entire country. Um, And here's how we're going to try to do it. And that would be my one last thing. Uh, I like that the, the, here's the plan a plan b plan c and it it made for, (laughs) if this fails then we'll go to this one. If that fails, (laughs) 
redundancies good for you guys exactly no i love it when a movie can lay really lay out the plans and then go for it and you know because of that there's a little bit of lost tension because you know if they talk about plan c we're gonna get to plan c uh Mm. but at the at the same time it's still i think really beautiful and i really enjoyed that uh about this movie so um yeah great character work great plot work great story work great effects work uh this is a this is a home run all the way around as far as i'm concerned so will we see another one will we see godzilla wait would it be minus two or zero i guess if it's the next one it'd be zero (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh yeah it would have to be zero then uh that would be really really cool if they were to continue this story yeah yeah I think it would be too. Uh, well, there you go. There are some thoughts on Godzilla minus one. By the way, what did you think the title meant? Um, oh, I actually knew this because I looked it up. Oh, uh, there's an answer then? There's an actual answer to it. It's uh, it has to do with uh, it has to do with atomic energy or something like that. I think. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I didn't know if it was just like. Um, I, I, I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure it out after the movie, and I was trying to think, is it like Godzilla is the minus one? So, like, the their country's already at zero, so Godzilla's the minus one? Like, I, I was trying to figure it out, but uh, I couldn't put my, my arms around it, so I was coming to you to see if you knew. Uh, the concept is that Japan, which had already been devastated by war, faces a new threat with, with Godzilla bringing the country into the minus so the idea is that oh. Godzilla is attacking at a time when the country is in very much need of healing. Okay. Well, there you go. I guess I, I guess that was correct. Thanks, NPR. Um, <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Uh, that is Godzilla Minus One. Huge recommend from both of us. Uh, go check it out. It'll probably be in theaters for a while because it's doing really, really well. Yes. Uh, all right. Let's move on to our next review. Let's talk a little bit about Napoleon, shall we? No doubt you've seen the chaos in the streets. We must make an example. Our France will fall. What would you do if this assignment of defense was transferred to you? I promise you brilliant successes. A personal look at the French military leader's origins and swift, ruthless climb to emperor viewed through the prism of Napoleon's addictive, volatile relationship with his wife and one true love, Josephine. Uh, That may have been the intent intent of this movie. Uh, I'm not sure this movie uh, actually succeeds in that. What do you think, Andrew, uh, about Joaquin Phoenix as Napoleon and Ridley Scott's Napoleon? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? I'm gonna go with low side of liked it. There's enough low here. side of liked it. Uh, I'm gonna go with it just okay. Um, I get it. There was there was enough totally here. What's that? I totally get it. Yeah, there's enough here f- that I can find where I'm like, oh, I'm glad I saw that. That was you know, Ridley Scott is a master of battle scenes and yeah. like uh, action choreography and understanding it and. You know, that first battle scene on the ice is spectacular, and I'm, I'm glad I saw it. It was fun to watch. It was interesting. 
And there were moments uh, that were interesting. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I don't think I liked the rest of it. So it just, it has to be, uh, it was just okay. Uh, but you're on the low side. I liked it. So uh, tell us why it's the greatest movie ever made. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. First off, Ridley Scott's 85. I yeah. think that's crazy that he's able to still do this. Very few de- directors can capture grand and epic scenes like Ridley Scott can. The... Mm-hmm. The way he, I think him and Spielberg are like a dying breed of like people who was like, no, we're just going to build a giant set and we're going to have so many extras and we're going to do it practically. Uh, and I'm not saying that this movie is 100% practical, but I'm just saying you can definitely feel a grand epic scale and a large and a huge budget went into making this movie. It, it better not be a hundred percent practical. Cause there is a cannonball and a horse uh, that meet yeah. at one point. And that, I need that to not be practical. That needs to be CG. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We could, we could bounce off of that. There is a lot of, uh, uh, of scenes that make you go, Oh, okay. You're not holding back. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's, that's what, what the really inside sc- of a horse looks like. That's what yeah. the inside of a human body looks like. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Uh what you got big pro for you? Um I I think the biggest pro for me I already mentioned which is Ridley Scott's ability to really draw you into an action scene and a battle mm-hmm. scene, those kind of things. I also think the movie on a technical level like when you think costuming, uh makeup, like sets, cinematography, this is a gorgeous film. This is a well-produced film, and that goes a long way uh, when you're dealing with this stuff. Um, so, yeah, those are the the majority of my positives uh, are that, um, okay. just kind of in the, the visuals and the, the big-time movie-making kind of stuff. Those are where my positives okay. are. Uh, I would say that Vanessa Kirby's performance is complicated, for me, uh, mm-hmm. by that I mean on the surface for what she's asked to do, she does greatness. But I'm still not a fan of this thing that Ridley Scott does. He did it in Last Duel as well, where he has women in period films acting like how modern women would instead of how they would in the actual times that they're living in. Yeah. It, I mean, it's not just the women. I feel like Napoleon does that, too. Napoleon definitely mm-hmm. has some lines where it's like, oh, you're like... Mr. College Dude Bro, when you said that line, you know, and the fact that everybody's speaking in their own accents, you know, like there's no, there's no attempt to give us anything to hold on to. We've got British actors speaking with British accents that are supposed to be French. We've got Americans speaking in American accents that are supposed to be French. Um, it's just, it's, it's a little distracting. It is. That's a huge negative for me about this movie, too. Yeah. And I think that this movie is more interested in the romantic side of Napoleon's life than it is about his political or military feats. Now, I don't I I don't think I don't think this movie knows what it's interested in. That's like my biggest negative. I, I think it pretends to be interested in their love life and then it pretends to be interested in the military stuff. And it doesn't it 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 feels jumbled to me because of that. Like, Oh yeah. It's very poorly edited film. There's really no flow to it at all at all. And I feel like the Josephine stuff, if this movie was solely a movie about the impact Josephine had on Napoleon and how she defined his ability and played into his complexes and those kind of things, 
then at least I would understand what we're doing. And occasionally I thought that's where we were supposed to be going. It felt like that's what the movie wanted to do. And then we would just go whole sections without understanding her influence on any of it. And like, it's, yeah, it's, it was really strange to me. I, I could not figure out at the end of the day what the movie wanted to be about. And it's not helped by the fact that the very last thing the movie gets us gives us is a, a total, total deaths. It does the math on the total deaths. And it's like, wait, was that what this is about? Is that the movie you were trying to make was about death and the death and destruction that was caused? Because we barely no. touched on that. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, it was just, it was weird. I didn't know what the movie was trying to say or be about. I think that uh, Joaquin Phoenix is fine. I mean, he's a brilliant actor, but I don't think he's doing anything that's making me go, that's Napoleon. I, I was mm-hmm. watching, I was watching Joaquin Phoenix for three hours. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like he was a transformed actor or anything like that. And again, if what you wanted to do was to compare Napoleon to, modern ideas of toxic masculinity or modern ideas of, um, you know, well, uh, uh, Napoleon complex. I mean, it literally is named after him. Uh, you know, the idea of compensation and those kind of ideas, uh, then that's a different movie that might be interesting. You know, if the whole movie is him saying things like, you just think you're so great because you have boats, like that's kind of funny and kind of interesting, but it's not. That only happens every once in a while. Like, and then he's supposed to go back to being a, a, a great leader of some sort. Um, it's just weird. It's just, I don't, it just never settles for me. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't commit to one element of his life. It tries to show you so many different aspects of him, but whenever mm-hmm. you do that, whenever you give everybody just a charcuterie board, just a little tasting of everything, you don't get the, I don't know where I'm going with this food analogy, um, <laughs> but if you try that, then you don't really get the full person, you know, right. you just get little snippets. Yeah. Yeah. Such a shame. Uh, Such potential with this movie. There really was, um, you know. Uh, I, I, there was a lot of potential here and I just, I feel like the movie just got distracted by whatever the next shiny thing was that it wanted to do. And, you know, he has said, I didn't look this up, but I think he was the one that said that, you know, he's got a four hour cut that he wants to put on Apple TV plus and Ridley Scott movies are famous for having director's cuts that are better than, you know, the theatrical cuts, uh, kingdom of heaven and whatnot. But, um, but maybe that solves some of this. I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever see it because it's kind of up to Apple if they want to put that on their service. And I haven't really heard any official announcement of anything like that, but, um, but maybe that helps a little bit or maybe it makes it worse. Maybe it's, it continues to be distracted and it's, it's four hours of distraction instead of two and a half, you know? So it's interesting that a director like Ridley Scott can't, with his level of prowess, can't make the movie he wants to make the first time around. He mm-hmm. has to make a director's cut afterwards. Yeah. That is Marty's Marty's throwing three and a half movies out there like it's nothing. Like what yeah. why can't Ridley do that? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh any final thoughts on Napoleon? No post credit scene. But I did like <laughs> it. I did like the movie. It's like we said earlier, there are scene like that Austerlitz battle on the ice, you know? Mm-hmm. That was an amazingly shot sequence. It was really good, but uh, 
there's then it just transitions immediately into a scene right afterwards and you lose all sense of tempo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like, it feels like there are, are so many different parts of different great movies that were jumbled together to make a mediocre experience. Yeah. Uh, that's how, how it felt to me. Um, I don't really know that I have much else to say other than this is one of the first times where I've watched an awards contender like this and not come away with at least one person where I was like, oh, what a performance. I didn't have that with this. Vanessa Kirby's fine. Joaquin is fine. But I didn't I didn't walk out of this one going, oh, my goodness, uh, that person is acting circles, you know, uh, around everybody else. Um, so I that's that's probably neither here nor there it's just um there is something to be said for having a performance in your movie that can you know capture people like that and i just i don't know that it's here no it's not um and that's that could have been a saving grace if you know what i think it is i don't think it should have been joaquin phoenix cast i mm. I, I've actually heard that uh that i have going perfect around. casting for this movie already oh, yeah? who is it timothy chalamet Mm. Put Joaquin as Wonka. <laughs> Napoleon was very young, you know. Yeah. Well, in this movie, Napoleon, it's like a thirty-year span. So he's young at the beginning <laughs> but, of this movie. But it's Joaquin Phoenix, and he's like forty-seven. <laughs> sure. Already. Sure. Yeah. the The best one I heard was um, the guy from The Bear would would uh, oh. have been a great Napoleon. And you said the guy from Jeff, the bear. Is it Jeff? Think. Jeffrey Allen, maybe? Yeah. White? Something like that? Jeremy, yeah, Jeffrey Allen, Jeremy Allen White. Jeremy Allen White, yeah. Um, I like he, that. Yeah, that, that was the best one I heard. Uh, could be recast. But anyhow, uh, not a recommend for me. Uh, although, if it's popping up on your Apple TV Plus and you have it already, go ahead and throw it on and, and you know, maybe you'll you'll enjoy some of the visuals and just the movie making kind of stuff that goes on in there. Well, there you go. Those are the reviews. Uh, let's do a little bit of buried treasure before we go, Andrew. Uh, what is that one thing in any area of pop culture that you want people to know about? What do you got? Uh, a little late to the party on a video game that came out a couple months ago, but I'm going to go ahead and recommend it anyway. It's called Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, came out from a company called From Software. They are famous for making games like Bloodborne, Dark Souls, uh very very difficult games they're known for being incredibly challenging and why i like these games is while you're fighting a boss and it takes you four hours to defeat one enemy it seems sometimes the gratification and the feeling of i actually did something like i actually accomplished something is something that you can't find in say like a a Mario game where you're you're bouncing off Goomba's head and they just you know plop over dead. I right. Mean, it can be it can be really fun to do that, but that sense of like I did it! Oh my gosh, I did it! You don't mm -hmm. get that from anything except from like a from software game. So if you do enjoy games that really do challenge you, I'm enjoying this one a lot. Nice. Yeah, I uh, I had a friend uh, who popped into a, a chat and just said. I did it. I beat Elden Ring. And everybody was like, everybody was like, you know, bowing uh, to them and their accomplishment. And I, kn I knew nothing about it, but 
could tell from the responses that it was quite an accomplishment in a, uh, yes. a game with difficulty. So, so yeah, that sounds like uh, sounds like uh, trauma and terror and uh, <laughs> absolute awfulness to me. That you got to pay seventy bucks for. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to pay you seventy bucks to be one of the most frustrated humans in existence. Uh, <laughs> what you got, Aaron? Uh, I saw a nice, beautiful, heartfelt, simple documentary on Prime, uh, not documentary, excuse me, a biopic on Prime uh, called A Million Miles Away. And this is a story about the very first migrant farmer ever to go to space. Um, And so it follows, this is a true story, um, and uh, Michael Pena uh, plays Jose Hernandez, and Jose is a migrant farmer worker with his family. He shows proclivity in math. A teacher really pushes for him uh, to be able to stay and you know take these classes. He eventually ends up in the engineering program uh, and applies for NASA uh, a dozen times. Um, and just keeps getting rejected. And it's the story of how he eventually was able to become an astronaut and actually go into space. Um, so it's pretty cool, heart, a heartwarming story. And there's nothing spectacularly special about it, but it's just a really nice, it's one of those just put it on, enjoy the true story and some really good performances. Michael Pena is really good in it. Um, and the performances around him are good as well. Rosa Salazar specifically. Uh, so yeah, worth a watch. It's called a million miles away and it is on prime. I want to see that one. I love a good underdog story. Yeah. Yeah. It is definitely that. Uh, so that is Elden ring, uh, wherever you buy your frustrations in a million miles away (laughs) is available on prime. We did it. Andrew did a little, little podcast, which, you know, it's kind of a joke usually, but not this time. This no, time we no, we are really bitty. happy. We actually managed to do a podcast. Congratulations uh, to us. Thanks so much for joining us today. Sif Pop is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out today. Thank you, buddy. Big thanks to producer Phil for producing the audio and video show. Thanks, Phil. And much love and gratitude to our Sif Pop members. We love you so much. Uh, Thank you for giving monthly to make Sif Pop a real thing. Couldn't do it without you. Uh, You can go over there, check it out. Starts at three bucks a month. There's some uh, fun bonus content there for some of our members. And uh, we really appreciate you checking that out. Again, that's patreon.com slash siftpop. Lots of ways you can uh, help out by connecting with us. Uh, Leave a comment, a rating, or a review at Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. You can also email us if you want uh, your questions answered at feedback at siftpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too. So make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than shooting a water mine in a choppy ocean from a boat 300 yards away. We will be back in two weeks. Uh, with more so we'll take another week off and then we'll be back in uh, two weeks to talk some more probably awards contenders and more fun stuff and we'll see you then bye